Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. I'm Ben James. Today I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe and Andy Howell. Two very keen gentlemen looking very excited to get into the podcast today. Always excited. Always excited. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Ben. Sun shining outside and we are stuck inside. Lovely week. Well, yeah. it's been great. It has, yeah. What, what weather for running rugby? It's a big weekend of European action and Welsh regions not involved. They got a weekend off, we got all this sun. <laughs> That's a nice, nice negative bring us down at the start. I'm sure we'll get into that, but um, we've got a few topics to sort of get our teeth into. Let's, let's crack on with the first one. Um, Warren Gatlin's future is up in the air. Uh, obviously, leaving after the World Cup with Wales. Lots of speculation. Lots of speculation, boys. What should be his next move? England. Uh, because um, his war and ball tactics would suit the English down to the, the ground um, with the, uh, the the sort of players they breed in England, big men, and then there's every chance he could turn up all the players they possess into becoming consistently the best team in the world ahead of New Zealand. Because they, they, you know, they reached six, the last six under twenty World Cup finals, so they got a heck of a production line. What do you make of that sacrilege? That can you imagine for a second? Like that for Welsh rugby would be horrendous, absolutely horrendous for any Welsh rugby fan and the hierarchy of the WRU. Um, personally, uh, you have to stick with me on this. It's a bit of a long game. I think Gatlin should be looking at Super Rugby. Um, you take one look at the Super Rugby standings at the moment and the Chiefs and the Blues uh, are struggling again um, the Blues in particular have been a failure for a while um, but there's a lot of potential there you know, you've got Sonny Bill Williams and them boys um, you want it. yeah exactly um, if you can be the man who goes into the Blues and turns them around then that gives you a lot of stock and not that he, you know, he's got a lot built up with everything he's done with Wales but he probably perhaps still doesn't get the respect he might deserve in New Zealand but if you can go in and turn that franchise around then and, and the bigger picture is ultimately he sort of reintegrates himself quietly back into New Zealand rugby um, after the Lions tour obviously there is a bit of bad blood there um, but if he just reintegrates himself quietly back into New Zealand rugby and it sets everything up for what is, you know, probably must be the ultimate goal if you're Warren Gatlin coaching the All Blacks. Um, it's a bit of a long game. You're not going to go straight in after Steve Hansen. Um, depends who you listen to, but Ian Foster looks likely to be the guy going in after him. Um, but the one thing that Gatlin's going to have to stomach if he wants to play the long game is the possibility of Joe Schmidt getting that job. Can he... Can he stand by and watch? How can Joe Schmidt be ahead of Warren Gatlin as it currently stands? You know, Gatlin put Schmidt in his place yet again in his Six Nations. Gatlin, Lions, Lions series winner in Australia 2013, drawn set Test series against the odds in New Zealand 2017. People in New Zealand must have a lot of respect for him already. When his coaching record is better than Joe Schmidt's, I wouldn't disagree with that. Obviously, Richie McCaw's tipped Joe Schmidt to go in their mind, and that carries a lot of stock. Yeah. But I just say, you know, how much collateral is there still lingering after after the 2017 Lions? You know, it got ugly, didn't it? Yeah, um, but that was with the New Zealand press, one with the New Zealand Rugby Union. Well, you know, none of us know what the New Zealand Rugby Union are necessarily thinking, but it did get ugly. 
the, one, the one thing he's got against him is the New Zealand Rugby Union have not been too fast on him. I think his best move is to go back into Super Rugby. You know, you got to get a job first. I think you could be pretty confident that one of those jobs is going to be available to him after the World Cup. If the New Zealand Rugby Union want him, if they don't want him, they will, will not want him to have a job because the the the, the, the Super Rugby uh, uh, philosophy is you have a coach who could be a future All Blacks coach. Where Gatlin could score with New Zealand, his best chance of becoming All Blacks coach is if the All Blacks fail at this World Cup, i.e. failure to them is not getting past quarterfinals, and then that would probably um, stop Ian Foster, who was EMAC for the job, from stepping up from being assistant to getting the All Blacks job, and Gatlin could then come into the equation. But that's the only way I could see him getting the job. I think further down the road, they'd be looking more towards people like Dave Rennie. Basically, another 2007 when they had this sort of internal review and Robbie Dean just up for the job and all that. Yeah. The other thing, thinking about you, does he want to go straight back into another international job? See, How many times have we heard him say sit on the beach? How frustrated he is with the fact that you only get these guys for seven weeks, you know, over a campaign. You know, you get the impression a lot of the time he longs for club rugby because he talks about, you know, we've talked about this World Cup campaign coming up, for example, you know. He's already mentioned the fact that it's going to be like having a club side where you can you can tweak the tactics more effectively, you can ingrain skills, you can get them fitter, you know. And perhaps he doesn't even want another big job. Don't get me wrong, you know. There's obviously the finances there that obviously come with taking an England job, for example. Um, but honestly, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world for him to go back to Super Rugby. Um, to me, that is take a on that project. Unless he's going to get the All Black job, going to back to Super Rugby is a is a step down. Well, I think the All Black's job is the ultimate goal, isn't it? It has uh, to be for him. Yeah, but he's like almost been written off in New Zealand in a sense, hasn't and he? I'm and still, yeah, but this is the, this is the way of of getting back in the frame. If you go in there and turn one of those sure. franchises, we're getting around. back in the frame. It's New Zealand pool World Cup and Wales won it. I'll reach the semi-finals, and that puts him right in the frame. Is that likely? Well, Wales reaching the semi-finals. No, no, no. Why not? Not and New Zealand having a poor World Cup. Those two things. Uh, I don't think that they're certainly not unbeatable. So that last season, they're in transition. They've got a major problem at open side flanker with the doubts of where Sam Kane will be fit for the World Cup. Uh, key man in their side. Um, like Sam Warburton, perhaps, you know, type of player was with Wales. Probably going to face Scotland, aren't they, in the quarter-final and England in the semi-final, so... Hang on. You saying England are going to beat Wales in the quarters? Because they, they I'm looked at, you know, on the seed, didn't they, being England Wales? What final? I'm saying Wales are going to beat Australia and Post, they just oh, right. get to the okay. other side of the draw. Okay. Do you think England are going to reach the quarterfinals? How are they group? Got a t- really tough group. Anything uh, could happen we'll, in that group. We'll wait and see. But yeah, let's, let's go on, let's move, let's move back on anyway. to, to England. What's, what's the thinking there? Well, Gatland, why, not, why not France? Because he's been tipped with France as well. Warren Gatland, if he's got any sense, will not touch France with a badge ball. Because for the following reasons, <laughs> cultu- cultural differences, language difficulties, and the French are French. Traditionally, in French, in France, they have uh, they have played to get fit, not got fit for playing. And what's Gatlin all all about with Wales being super fit? Yeah. So he would go to France, and he's a stickler. He's disciplined. He's a stickler for being on time, etc., etc. And no disrespect to the French, but you know what they like. Nine o'clock is ten o'clock to them. And stuff like that, and uh, he, he, he could. The danger of him going to France would be it totally t- tarnishes his reputation. Yeah, that, that um, would be a massive. You know, I, I'd be weird if I was at any upside. I'd be very wary about taking the French job over 
same as like taking an, the Argentina job over, uh, probably because culturally it is a lot different. So, um, you know, Gatlin is a bright bloke. Uh, you know, he'd be really taking something on if he tried to turn France round. Mm. Yeah. England is made for him because the player pool. He's got the biggest player pool in the world. He's got the most money. He'd be the highest paid coach in the history of rugby union. And as I said earlier, the under-20s, they won three of the last six World Cups and reached the final of them all. They've got a better record now than New Zealand at that level. So it shows their production line is working. Yeah. And the Gala Premiership, I think, is a you know it's a competition which is valued and it's loved by uh, supporters of uh, rugby in England. So he's got a lot going for it. And plus the English team's got a lot of good coaches already. So maybe the players over there could be more upskilled than the, than the Welsh boys are when they go into Wales camp. There is one major down point to taking on England, and I think it will mean more to Gatland than anything you've just mentioned. If he takes the England job, he will never coach the All Blacks. Never. If he wants to coach the All Blacks, which I think is must be his ultimate goal, he's not going to get it straight after the World Cup. I see your points, but it's not happening. The best way of him doing that is to go into Super Rugby turn one of those two franchises around, which I really think he could quite easily, suddenly then you're in the frame for the job. The only problem is then, if the All Blacks got back on track after the World Cup with whoever's mm. got the job, well, that person could be in for the job for eight years. And then Gap yeah. is into his, well, into his, you know, his, into his mid-60s. Yeah, well, it's a movable feast. You know, if you take that job for so many years and it's not looking like you're going to get the, the All Blacks job anytime soon because, as you say, someone's going to look like they're going to get an eight-year cycle at it, well, then you ain't going to be short of offers from elsewhere, is he, in a couple of years' time? I think his best way of getting the All Blacks job is to do that, and that's why I think it's the best move for him. Very well argued, boys. Very well argued. Right, um, what's next on the agenda? Certain Mr. Gareth Anscombe, man of the match against Ireland in the Grand Slam decider. Mm. But all is not so well on the sort of contract front um, and he has warned the WIU that he could well leave yes. pretty much isn't it it's, it's it's a strong statement from him isn't it? Yeah. what do you make of it well he's absolutely bang on isn't he um, he's holding out for as, as much money as he can he's appealing this uh, this banding system uh, that's being brought in or the banding that he's been given um, because it limits the amount of money he can earn. It basically tells him that he's not valued as highly as some of his Wales teammates. Um, so if you're asking me if I think Gareth Anscombe is doing the right thing here, then absolutely. Um, I'm in his corner on this. Uh, the first thing to note for me is that we all know that rugby is a very dangerous sport. Um, your career can be over in an instant. Um, so if you've only got a 10 year window to earn as much money as you can then crack on and go for it absolutely I, I'd back any player that wants to to manoeuvre his way to get more more money or a better salary in his next contract um, you know he's just won a grand slam his stock has never really been higher um, and the suggestions that we're hearing is that he's now being asked to take some form of pay cut in his next contract because of this banding system um, and you know, if you're Gareth Anscombe, you're going to turn around and say, "Hang, hang on a sec." You know, that's not that's not going to fly with me. At the end of the day, a lot of money, a lot of people make a lot of money off these players. We're making money writing and talking about these players. Um, sponsors are making money off these players. Yeah, clubs making money, broadcasters making money, and then you're going to try and turn around and say, "Hang on, you you can't earn that much." 
Uh, I just think it's wrong, and I think yeah, Gareth, you know, Gareth Anscombe should absolutely be out there saying, no, no, you know, none Jerry Maguire style, show me the money. No, none of the regions are making money, though. Hmm? None of the regions are making money. Only one, cl- and only one top flight club in England is making money. Hardly any rugby organisation is making money. No one's been asked to take a pay cut in England, are they? I don't know. Some players do. Isn't well, they? Yeah. Of course they do. Is yeah, it? but the winds top down. Player, Gareth Anscombe's at the peak of his powers. His career's no, nowhere near winding down. Not at the peak of his powers. That's ridiculous. Is, it, that is, is the problem more that no, not that we're, we're paying too much for the sort of run-of-the-mill regional players? Uh, they're, they're sort of earning too much, maybe, of a crop. That's absolutely the issue. I mean, you know, we, the, the biggest thing, I, you know, I've moaned about this in the past, right, but the best thing about American sport is everyone's salary is laid out for you. It's all public knowledge in the NFL or whatever. So every, every supporter, every journalist, they all know exactly how they, their clubs are being managed by the owners. We don't get that in this country, so we're not, we're not privy to the exact figures and who's earning what, so we can't turn around and like, conclusively say he's not doing a good job of, of distributing the funds they've got effectively. So we can't say that, but what we do, what we do understand uh, from conversations with certain people is that there are a lot of players who are perhaps earning money more money than they should be, and I think the problem lies there, not with the top end players. I got older. The little story for you, boys, because you youngsters, I got older. The Dragons' wages, the entire, the, the entire lot in their first season in regional rugby, we printed them, and I got banned from the Dragons for the rest of that season. Because players love knowing, or people are on elsewhere, but they don't like their own figures being published. Well, there you go. Yeah, Anscom, I can see he is it, uh, his case, and I can see against it. I'm all for players speaking uh, honestly, but I question whether he's got a case for uh, uh, for more money. Because um, I yet, even though I've pushed for him to be Wales number ten, I'm yet to be fully convinced by him in that uh, in that position. And I would also ask, because the banding system, the players who are on a higher band than him are Lions, mm. I would also ask, is he as valuable as Alan Wynne-Jones or Jonathan Davis? In what? my opinion, he is not. What I'd At the you, moment. What the fingers being wagged. What I'd put you there is, should it, should it matter? That, is having a band where you're a Lions player a worthwhile band? You're, you're, you're dictating... Possibly uh, not. You're dictating market value by uh, a third party on a selection that is ultimately how good yeah. you're playing for three months every four years. Yeah, maybe the Lions, they shouldn't be a Lions band. You might they're, they're a great players who will never yeah. even get close to a Lions yeah, because, because they played good rugby for three years. Yeah, and they, might be injured, and they might be injured at that time, so they missed the tour. Plus, you could be banded as a Lions player and you might have played for the Lions three years ago. Not now. Hmm. So, you know, it's, and then you could lose your form. Yeah. You know, to bring it bring it back though to the like you accept that you accept that no one's arguing that he he should you know he's as valuable to the team as Alan Wing Jones for example or Jonathan Davis for example but if you take if you're Gareth Anscombe and you're you're watching you sit back and you watch a, a Lions player who can be offered a contract of say three hundred fifty grand that's worth and then he's told you you can only earn two hundred ninety grand or three hundred grand. Um, but you know, so you're watching your teammates who you've just been playing with for the last seven weeks, and you know, arguably, you know, where does Gareth Anscombe stand? Was he was he in the top ten performers in that Wales squad in the Six Nations? Potentially. So you know, he's if he's probably sat there thinking, "Hang on, if he's getting his money and he's getting his money, I'm going to get my money." So for me, I've got absolutely no problem with it, as long as this doesn't start dragging on. Now, I think he's. 
there, it, there are people it, who need to get around and solve this. There's one other thing here. Perhaps when he was brought over here, he was given too high a salary, a contract maybe to get him over here. And the other issue is about him going joining Bath and all. If he wants to go and join Bath, as far as I'm concerned, he can go and join Bath. Because mm. if he's with Bath, he will not earn as much money as he has earned this season from Cardiff Blues, plus the money he's on playing for Wales when they win it. They are on fifteen grand, approximately 15 grand a game, plus image rights, appearance fees, other perks, and again, a ma- and again, a massive bonus for winning this Six Nations. So when he, you know, so they get a, they, they're going to be on well, you know, between 100 and 200 grand this year. Welsh players going to bank on top of their regional salary. Now, if you add that onto his regional salary, it's a lot more than he will get at Bath. Yeah, well, I've been told, I've been told very recently that he was offered a, a really big salary by Bath. We don't know exactly what those figures are, but you'd be comfortable speculating there in the plus 400 grand figure. If you look at what Dan Bigger's earning at Northampton, yeah. you know, you'd speculate that it's around there. You know, if, if you believe what you hear and he is being asked to take a pay cut, you know, I know what you're saying about the Wales bonus, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I don't I, think I, he'd quite earn as much as what Bath are offering, but you, you lose... the Wales money on top? I don't think you would. Because don't forget, you wouldn't get picked by Wales. Cannot get picked yeah, up. Yeah, I know that, but I'm not sure the Wales bonuses will get him up to what Bath are, gonna, are offering him. I'm not well, they sure would, because look how much they're earning for playing for Wales. It's way over 100 grand for this season. So okay. they, and if they do have a World Cup, they'll be earning 200 grand a man. So if, how many. So on if top, so 200, say 200 grand, that's 550 grand. On top of 350 before stoppages. Boys, 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 let's get the calculators out. Think we'll leave that there before. So back to your yeah, point. Yeah, bang yeah. on. Let him hold out. Let him hold out. For yeah, as much money I as will concede. The only thing I, I don't want to see him go to England. The only thing I will concede is okay. He's guaranteed the money at Bath. He's not guaranteed the money with, with the international money with Wales because they may not pick. They may you know if he got injured they didn't pick him. And it's coming back to my original point. It's all about guaranteed money in professional sport because one day your career can end in an instant. Yeah, but like yeah, Alan Jones, he doesn't need. He's not leaving Wales. He's going to stay with the Ospreys. Uh, it looks like uh, because of all the things that's done for him off the field etc and uh, business he's set, been set and same as for Sam Auburn both of them been set up for life by staying in Wales I think <laughs> you look at American football there Navian Bell just turned just sat out a season with the Steelers turned down a 70 million contract mm-hmm. to take a 50 million contract with the Jets simply because the 50 million was straight up front guaranteed I, I, bet, I, bet, I bet any of the Welsh players wouldn't mind a £70 million contract. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that either, I'll be honest with you. Right, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, two players who signed new deals this week, which means that they, should they wish, they'll be available for Wayne Pivak to pick next year when he takes over as Welsh coach. Willis Alaholo, centre for the Cardiff Blues. Johnny McNichol, uh, back three player for the Scarlets. So they they're now Welsh qualified. Question is, are they good enough to play for Wales? Should they be picked? Possibly. That's as far as I would go. With uh, Willis, his uh, defence is suspect, um, and would he get? He's a fantastic attacker, but would he get as much time and space on the ball in Test rugby to produce that's uh, footwork and uh, deliver? You know, in attack. Um, not so sure. Because Test rugby is a lot quicker, players are better. You know, defence system are strong. So that and Johnny McNichol, what a creative player! Fantastic for the Scarlets, key man when they won a Pro 12 title. Playing a fullback, he's got vision, plays heads up uh, uh, rugby, and, and 
puts his teammates into space, can see things and all that. But I think he'd also have to improve his tapping to play at international level. He was a big thing in New Zealand when he broke through yep. on a scene with the Crusaders. And he was talked of as an all-black, but he can be argued he didn't make the all-blacks because of uh, defence. So I think both those guys would have to work hard on a defence to get into the Wales uh, team. Because as we saw the Six Nations, Wales won it through the defence. Are they good enough? Was the first part of your question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, look, well, they're not. They're not the finished. They're not international caliber players right now. Um, but they they could be. Uh, Halaholo, by his own admission, is not the fittest, and he would probably get found out at the top level. The game would probably just move too fast for him. Um, so he'd need to trim down. Uh, you look at McNichol, he's an absolute trying machine at the Scarlet. You know, if he was, you know, if he was Welsh, we'd all be calling for it, wouldn't we? Yeah. You know, we would have got good wins. Man. Yeah, but he would definitely be part of that. He'd have been part of that conversation for years yeah. if he was Welsh because yeah, yeah. of the way he scores tries. Whether or not he'd have been picked by Warren Gatland because we know the premium he puts on defence and things like that. You know, it's a diff- slightly different story. But what you got to remember as well, Wayne Pivak's coming in, so. Maybe he'll see things. He'll put more of a premium on what they can do with the ball as opposed to without the ball. Um, so that's interesting to think about. I think I'd edge towards McNichol being more ready than Halaholo. Um, that's my personal opinion. Uh, we're not again. You know, we're not saying where. You know, we're not debating the merits of whether it's whether it's right or wrong. Uh, that's probably one for another day because we could spend a whole podcast talking about it. Um, and whether or not they should be picked. Uh, or whether or not you know they should be picked in the squad, I don't think they they're better than the players we've got at the moment on current form. So you know I, I think the the short answer is that there's definitely potential for, in both of them. I think McNichol is closer than Alaholo, um, but I don't think either of them would break into the World Cup squad, for example. No, unfortunately, I'd agree with Mike. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. It's, it's not really going to be in a World Cup squad, isn't it? When, well, when, when, they, when, they, they, when they go afterwards, they, they, they both qualify afterwards. Yeah, so, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, so you you know, know, I, I don't think they're better than what we've got at the moment. You look at you look at our depth, say a centre. Mm. You've got Hadley Parks, who quite might good. might not might not yeah, go another. Yeah. He might they might just he yeah. might decide to call it quits after World Cup if. We won't call it quits because what you know, well, because got, of the money. I suppose he's got the Lions to sort of look forward to, but he's not going to make the next World Cup cycle, is he? Mm. John Davis, uh, Scott Williams, who's been so unlucky with injuries in the last year. Yeah. Owen Watkin, who's been there for a year or two on the international stage, but I think you'll agree with this, Matt, hasn't really sort of announced himself. No, I don't think so. And I then, think he's probably better than Hal Hola, though. Beyond that, then you've got Jack Dixon and Tyler Morgan, who have pretty much fallen off the face of the earth down in Gwent. And Harry Millard's one for the future. I, you know. Well, but Owen Lane, he's one for the future. He's a centre as it well. Depends. Really. It, yeah, it depends. It depends how Wayne Pivak and John Lowell. Yeah, I know. But if if Lane gets his chance in the centre for the Blues and produces the goods, he could come. You know, he could come racing through in the Wales setup as an outside big, fast outside centre with yeah. a lot of creativity about him and skill. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you are right. Wales are a bit short in the centre uh, at the minute, and they will be question marks after the. Uh, Halaholo, Halaholo can't, you can do Don't forget, McNichol actually was a centre originally. Hmm. Uh, well, he, he's, yeah. he's not a centre these days, is he? He's never no, I like him as fullback myself because even though you said he's a great try scorer, which he is, I, I just love his creativity. Yeah. He gets a ball, he looks up, sees if there's nothing on, he kicks it. 
for something on. He's a master of taking advantage, fixing defenders and putting people away. And his support plays excellent. I spoke to DTH around the Merv about it yesterday, played with him at the Scarlets this season. He said he's probably the best in the world when it comes to uh, fending someone off and offloading the tackle. A big statement. Never, never dies. Statement. Never dies with the ball. There's a, there's a big old centre in New Zealand who might have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you, you know, you look at the criticisms that have been levelled at Liam Williams, and it's pretty much impossible to level criticism at Liam Williams at the minute. But the one has always been dying with the ball. Dies with the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny McNichol certainly doesn't do He's, that. Yeah, exactly. That's why when uh, when um, uh, a couple of seasons ago when the Scarlets won the Pro uh, Twelve, who were they playing at fullback? Johnny McNichol rather than Liam Williams. They had Liam yeah. Williams out on a wing because they saw him more as a finisher than a creator because of what you just said, Benjamin. Yeah. Um, very, very formal. Yeah, um, so, yeah, so you know, there's this thing though, I'm afraid, just because these guys are foreigners, we ought to know he's in New Zealand and we need to pick him for Wales. To me, that's a lot of rubbish. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. I looked on, I wrote a piece yesterday, I looked on Facebook and everyone's just constantly just, no, 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 they're not. I think the mindset is because they're foreign, people don't, people put them down well, rather, than, rather than rather than take their talents. I, I think Johnny McNichols, international class. Well, perhaps it's our fault and the media. That we automatically think because they are, uh, or some of us in the media thought, or might think because they Aussie or New Zealand or South African, they, ought, they must be better. Maybe that's some sign of inferiority complex from the Welsh media. What do you reckon, Matt? Uh, I wouldn't be delving in too far on inferiority complex. Um, I take your point largely, though. You know, you, you know, the gut reaction can be at times. Oh, you know, if he's. You know, how often do we see a, a guy signed to a Welsh region from Super Rugby and we're all like, oh, he's from Super Rugby, he must yeah. be brilliant. Well, he I don't think Super Rugby's brilliant anymore. Well, that's another debate, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, I, I take it that far. But I think that, by and large, I think the popular opinion is what Ben is saying. Um, I think a lot of people out there would be reluctant to it because yeah. of the residency rule and all yeah. this. You know, plus. We know people oppose it and I don't want to get into it because... It's, it's a rabbit Plus, hole. the Northern Hemisphere countries have caught up, perhaps maybe not the old backs, but they've caught up with the Southern Hemisphere countries and it's a level playing field these days. Mm-hmm. International results prove that. So does the world ranking table. There we go. There we go. Right. So one, a couple of teams that haven't caught up is probably the Welsh region when it comes to Europe. <laughs> nice, nice, nice little segue there, wasn't it? Lovely. So yeah, as you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, Andy, um, there's plenty of rugby on this weekend, but the Welsh regions aren't involved. European rugby, quarterfinals, no sign of the regions. Just I feel like we've probably gone over this a thousand times, but just why have the Welsh regions failed in Europe, Matt? Well, it's you know first and foremost, it's obviously really disappointing the way things have unfolded. Um, you know, Cardiff Blues got off to a decent start in their group, and you thought Ooh, they might actually. Uh, might actually do something here, but you know, the back-to-back against Saracens just sort of killed their hopes, didn't they? And 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 that was it. They had injuries at the time, but you know, at full strength, like you know, it was a big ask to see them beating Saracens. Yeah. Uh, for me, though, I, I mean, I did a piece not long after the the whole thing unfolded, and we realised that everyone was, was out uh, about the budgets and things like that. Um, I know a lot of people just say, "Oh, you know, you can't hide behind figures and stuff." I got a feeling that might be Andy's <laughs> Andy's opinion, um, but I don't think they can be ignored. I think if you know, I, I try and keep it as simple as possible. But there's a couple of figures that I dug out um, a while back. You know, last year the WIU invested twenty-seven point three million. 
uh, in the regions. The IRFU uh, invested 37.2 million euros in what they call player and management uh, costs. Uh, it's not always clear where the money goes and how it's divvied up, uh, but this is what we can find on the books. Uh, the SRU invested 28.9 million in international and pro game. Again, you don't know how it's divvied up, but they've only got two sides up there, obviously, to fund uh, in the pro game. And then just moving on to the French and English, we all accept that they're operating in a different, you know, a different stratosphere when it comes to funds. The French salary cap is 11.3 million euros, um, and the English English lot is seven million, and they get two players excluded from that. So you can see why they're able to bring in, you know, some some of the massive talent that they've got. And obviously, there's a lot more money floating around in those leagues. Um, and you know, money buys buys a lot, doesn't it? It doesn't always buy you. Uh, love Benjamin there's some advice for you uh, but it does buy you a lot and, um, I haven't got either <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I don't think the, the, the money can be ignored because not only does it buy you talent but it also um, helps you build better facilities and your academies your clubs your grounds yeah, and all that sort of thing and it all adds up to, to make you more successful um, I do accept that it doesn't like I said buy you everything because you know, we've seen the the Pro 14 sides do quite well, the English and uh, the French yeah, clubs. Yeah, five Pro 14 sides in the uh, Champions Cup quarterfinal. So what happened to all those great English, all this English money and French money then? Well, there's uh, still... Five in there. Only two teams failed to qualify. Pro 14 teams for, uh, for the uh, Champions Cup quarterfinals. They happen to both be Welsh. Uh, the Blues and Scarlets. What do you make of that? Well, we still we still see that the IRFU and the SIU are investing more money than... You than cannot tell me that Glasgow and Edinburgh are better squads than, than the Scarlets or the Blues. I do not buy that for one second. You, I, compare I, the, I, you compare the two squads and their players are no way they're better now, which is proved because most of those players who won a Grand Slam for Wales are playing for Welsh regions. There's a few playing outside the country, but not many. Most of them playing. Just look at Scotland. I think Where did they finish in the Six Nations? Fifth. I think oh, you were onto something, but I, I think, think your argument fell down there because we all accept that they're different animals when they play for Wales. You know, we we all right. know. So that. right, so the you point and then the coaching's not good enough at regional level. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's what it looks like, doesn't it? Well, how come then the WIU appointed a regional coach, Wayne Pivak, to succeed Warren Gatland? Well, he has had success, mind Wayne Pivak. I know he has, which I was going to point out. I also yeah. think you're looking at two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to structures. Obviously, Scotland have two teams, Wales have four. Yeah, but Wales produces so, so much more players in Scotland. So we natural so rugby Scot- players. Scotland so. tend to lose a lot of their players to England and France, which only goes to harm their national team. We don't as much, which helps our national team. So you're sort of looking at Scotland. Maybe's got a club setup that helps their clubs, but doesn't always help the national setup. We're probably completely opposite end of the spectrum that you, know, you, t- you talk about Wales producing a lot of players though but the the depth obviously hasn't been there for the regions in Europe to compete because the Ospreys have been picking and choosing their games in the Pro 14 let alone Europe well I put that down to the coach they've been well, you know, I put that they, you know, they throw that, games basically that's in my opinion you know, ridiculous we've seen the Dragons do it and it's well. backfired on he, him now he insists he's only picking and choosing he's, one yeah it's backfired on him now because they didn't pick their best team to go to Munster, Munster in the league Munster they got Club. hammered ultimately that match not being competitive there because they feel that a weakened team could come back to haunt them could cost them place in the next season's Champions Cup and and the Challenge Cup I've covered their games in the Challenge Cup and you know they've had a knock around the flank they, they you know, they, this is what I'm saying. You know, that, that, that's you know, why, why I'm saying the depth isn't there. Is it? The Blues, the Blues, right? Well, like as I said, when they played against Saracens, they had so many injuries for those games, 
and the the players who were having to step up to that play at that level were just not good enough to be yeah. there. Saracens are a top team, so that those two matches were always difficult for the Blues. Yeah. Yeah. And why it showed up was the Blues lack power at lock. They need some locks. They need a lot more beat. They need more beef up front, so they depowered a bit. And um, but the way they blew that group, their chances in that group was a, a home and away against Glasgow. Yeah. They gave them a massive head start in both matches, and, and I think they caught Melville, John Melville, the Blues coach. The Blues won both second halves. <laughs> but that was no good when he conceded loads of points, you know, early on when he were asleep. So they blew it. And the Scarlets, I feel sorry for the Scarlets and Wayne Pivot, because the Scarlets have been like Munster since Europe was formed. They've been in there, they've never missed the European tournament. And Europe, as their former captain Lee Davis says, Europe turns them on. And they've got this mindset in Europe, they're competitive, they believe in it. It's like a golfer, Matt. You're a golfer, you always play the fourth hole on a particular course really well. And it's the same with the Scouts in Europe, they always give it a good lash. And, uh, but they've been decimated by injuries this season. So, uh, um, and of course, they lost key players. They departed. You're arguing my point for me now. No, no, they lost key. They had a squad. They had a squad this season. Either replaced those players, perhaps the quality one, because the good has come in. But they had so many injuries and in key positions that they were just going to be uncompetitive. I don't. I'm not sure if any team in the tournament. Could have uh, could have competed with the number of injuries the Scarlets had. Probably, probably for the Scarlets, it's been a write-off. But you look at the two games against Leinster in the league is probably the real barometer of, of where they are. They're still as a team, they're still there. It's just been a complete write-off, hasn't it? Yeah. But the two games against Leinster just show that they are still a good team. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are a good team. But they just got to get people on the, on a pitch. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the crux of it all is. We've all got a quiet weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, and there's another issue with all this because people like yourself, Matt. People like yourself who keep talking on yeah. the Welsh region, blaming budgets, blaming budgets. Like when Steve Anson was Wales coach, he talked yeah. the Wales players down how much they we are rubbish, rubbish, etc., etc. In the end, subconsciously, it's a confidence, you know, it's a confidence issue. Now, subconsciously, that gets in players' heads, and they believe they're not good enough to compete in Europe. Plus, they've already been given an excuse not to perform. Oh, you've got to go in with these things with a positive mindset. There we go. Um, <laughs> you guys agree or not? Oh, I stopped listening. I don't think um, you can. Do, I don't think you can do, just totally discount the funding uh, problem. Uh, There's no, but they, they're clearly the depth hasn't been there for these oh, teams. No. They can't. They can't compete at this level when they lose players. I would say the regions, right? The most, you know, the Scarlets, the Blues, and the Ospreys. They start in fifteens can compete but as soon as you start losing two or three players from those starting 15s they begin to look you know hang on now we're playing against Saracens tomorrow they got a really good side and, and we we are a couple of players down boys coming through perhaps not not quite good enough that's the problem for me I just think you know funding is, is part of it not all of it but I think that's part of it so based on what you guys are saying then we might as well write off uh, about any Welsh regions qualifying for the Champions Cup from the Pro 14 well no that's, that's or winning that the Pro is, 14 that's the is next, that right or not? That's, that's the actual because they're up against the top teams is, is the fact that we're heading now into the final three rounds of the Pro 14 and the way things are going we could see a scenario where no Welsh team qualifies for the Champions Cup I, I, which would be a first and which would be a massive blow for Welsh rugby yeah, well, be yeah. I think though. the Blues are qualified myself, but um, but yeah, you could end up with the, the two Welsh teams in play off for the final place in the Champions Cup, yeah. on or making it at all. You know, and we, see, we talk about budget then and we if we can say then Benetton a second in their conference in a Pro 14 because they got a bigger budget, or is it because the play? You know, when you look at their squad, some good players there, but they not nothing compared to the Welsh regions. 
So, uh, you know, we, we could lose out on you at the expense of an Italian team. Could do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that don't happen because it's almost a doomsday scenario with the regions if that does happen because the uh, Champions Cup is just a lucrative to a, a tournament and not a team in there would be a switch off, wouldn't it, for regional rugby supporters? Yeah. There we go. Yes. I think we got a little bit further towards solving the almost unsolvable problem <laughs> that is the Welsh region. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, you, maybe it's a case for better coaching. How would you throw your How would the Welsh region be f- performing, say, if we had the Glasgow and Edinburgh coaches coaching you, Richard Cockrell and Dave Rennie? Would those re- our regions be doing better? What do you think, man? It's a tough one. Um, Rennie? Well, in the, in the eyes yes. of the Welsh Rugby Union, Pivak is better than Rennie. Well, yeah, that's another good point. Yeah, but in New Zealand, Pivak, uh, uh, what's in Rennie's one? There's no way of going to be getting a New Zealand job, but I can assure you at some stage, Dave Rennie will be New Zealand God. There's a better question. Can I afford him? Could a region... I don't know. Could a region afford... Cockrell or I, I don't Rennie. know what money they are on up there. Well, it comes back to funding, doesn't well, it? Well, maybe, maybe some <laughs> more, more the, the more the funding should go to the coaches and less to the players. So you run a smaller squad or something. Possibly they're all. These are all ways to look at it. I, you know. You know, I'd have every confidence. I'd have every confidence if Warren Gatland was coaching a Welsh region that they would be competing in the top. I mean, I'd have every confidence if he was coaching a Welsh region, they'd be broke. Why? Because they can't afford to pay Warren Gatland's salary. It's, it's not. It's just. This is like you know. You get what you pay for, don't you? Like, I. I. You know. If you're. If you're I the. Be if you're the SRU, right? And you've got two teams, two professional outfits, right? Right. We can actually give some proper money to get in the right coaches in there and there. That's all we got to look at. You know, it's not quite the same for the Welsh regions, is it? They're not working in the same financial landscape. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes. I think but I haven't said that but I think Pivot's been a good coach yeah. the Scarlet's oh, yeah. and I think that John Melville is doing a good job I think the, uh, the Blues job, he's yeah. a very bright and astute yeah, bloke yeah. yeah so they could I, be I do also think that Clark maybe doesn't get enough leeway given everything that's been going on there this season but I do accept that they that's only could be it said recently man. They, yeah. there. do you know what they lack the Ospreys I've said that key man they need an on, on-field orchestrator yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah, if Daniel Bigger had remained with them, they would have done better this season. Put it that way. There's one in Cardiff who's got a few contract problems. <laughs> well, he, uh, I, linked. Hey, I'm, linked. Not, I'm not ruling out Gardner's going to be at the, at the Ospreys next season. And do you know what? That would be good for Welsh rugby. But because the Blues would have Jared Evans. They've got Jared Evans, Wales outside half in waiting. Uh, what a great player. And it'd be better for Welsh rugby if all our top outside halves were playing. At regional level. Why would Hans come to me? Hey, why would he do it? Do what? Go to the Ospreys. Because <laughs> maybe they're going to offer him a good, you know, good, uh, a they good deal. Can they? That's Not what I'm bad. saying. This is all I'm saying about the band. Assuming the Blues have gone to the top of their band. Well, so if he if he if he's been offered the very top of his band, of course he cannot be offered anymore. Hmm. You say he's ten grand below the bottom of his band. Yeah, yeah offer yeah, him yeah. more, can they? Yeah, but he's going to be top of his band. Let's face facts. Yeah. So yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't maybe, maybe the only reason he would do it is if he believes in, that the Ospreys have got more potential. Yeah, or if the you Blues, can case for that. if the Blues made him a uh, offered him a uh, salary below the top of his particular band. Yeah. Uh, so he so it persuades him to leave because they want to put their eggs in the uh, Jared Evans basket. And the money they'd save on Anscombe, they could recruit a lock. 
which is what they need. I mean, they've signed all these wings, full backs, but really they need to be fed back up. That's conspiracy theory. They, they do, yeah. Well, yeah. No, so if I were the Blues, see, see, if I, see, my, personally myself, I was, I'd be taking a pragmatic decision, saying what do we need for this team to improve it, and that is a few forwards. They need two locks to add to their pool, and help bring on the likes of Seth Davis, and they also need another specialist number eight to compete or back up Nick Williams, who's getting a bit long and tough and wants to be a bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't agree. I won't disagree. So, and that. I think it's good for Welsh rugby in New Zealand. They don't have all, you know, all the best of the last to play super rugby, aren't they? Mm. And in Ireland, they've actually done it now by moving Joey by moving Joey Carberry to Leinster, uh, from Leinster to Munster, to make sure he was playing rugby. Yeah, and that's how the system should work. Yeah, yeah, should be an army. You want all your best of the last, all your best scrummers being first choice at a particular region but, but the trouble is all the regions I don't care what anyone tells me and it's right I'd be the same they, they're only looking out for themselves no one's looking out for but with all this now not with this bit new the PRB the professional rugby it sport it's all supposed to be in harmony and they're all working together to improve Welsh rugby I, are they, you I can tell you 100% I'm not buying it no way, right? These everyone's looking out for themselves. I would be exactly the same if I was in that position. You know, if I'm a Cardiff Blues, right? If I'm at the top of that organisation, I'm not going to say, oh, "I know what," right? For the good of Welsh rugby, I'm going to give the Ospreys Gareth Anscombe. An absolute nonsense. Never going to happen. Everyone's looking out for themselves in Welsh rugby, and I'm not going to go with it because I'd be exactly the same. We went way off topic. There, we, didn't we did, yeah, we did. <laughs> right, good, good discussion, no? It was. Well, we'll let the uh, listeners decide that one, right? <laughs> um, Sean Edwards continues to dominate the headlines, particularly in Wigan. Mm. You boys got any views on? I have on. Uh, oh, on that's, uh, a, that's a surprise. Uh, no, I, I have on. You know, on Sean, I'm uh, uh, I'm disappointed that he has come out and said that um, that um, he hasn't signed a contract with Wigan, despite being paraded at a press conference. Posing for old photographs, not yeah. become new Wigan Warriors coach, uh, has come out and said that when, according to uh, Wayne Pivak, the inbound Wales coach, and Martin Phillips, chief executive of the Welsh Rugby Union, Sean was ruled out of staying on as Wales defence coach because he told Pivak he had his job at uh, Wigan. And uh, Pivak uh, said, Look, we work into a longer time scale, um, we need to take our time making his decision over the future. And he said, I can't wait, so I'm taking a Wigan job. So all of a sudden now, it doesn't appear he wants to go to Wigan and read in a uh, statement. It's all come out and um, that, you know, he's available basically. And Martin Phillips has uh, since said, oh, you know, we'll have to talk with Sean about keeping him in Welsh rugby. And, but Pivak has said, they've already, he's already appointed someone else. He has a, we think it's Byron Haywood yep. uh, on the Scarlets. To me, this... Uh, uh, what Edwards has said and what Martin Phillips uh, said about Edwards has uh, uh, undermined uh, Pivak and Byron Awood and to be honest I feel sorry for the pair of them yeah well I think with Edwards I mean you can see what's happened can't you he's taken this you know uh, some sort of well he hasn't signed anything but he's entered into some sort of maybe gentleman's agreement yeah. he shook hands over it um, suddenly he's won the Grand Slam his stock's gone through the roof again um, and perhaps he's figured out there may be bigger jobs with, with more salary uh, more money elsewhere um, so now he's he's manoeuvring um, you know, if, you, if you're Wigan you, you, you probably feel a bit 
um, sour about the whole thing. Right. Wigan Warriors, you know, there's, there's he's talk. A, he's a Wigan legend, and his talk up there. This is really damaging his reputation yeah. up there and his legacy. And you know, as I, I saw one, you know, we, we all read that column in here, didn't we? By the, the yeah. guy who, who covers them regularly. I can't remember his name. I apologise. Um, but you know, he he wrote that he's never known a player spill as much blood for Wigan Warriors as Sean Edwards. You know, the fans appreciated that. But now this whole thing maybe tarnishing his legacy up there. Um, so you know it's it's a it's a difficult situation for everyone really, and um, you know he, Sean Edwards is not going to be short of job offers at the end of the day, is he? Um, so it's it's going to be an interesting one to see how that plays out. Well, I know Wasser is interested in him. He's got him. I said that. I yep. And um, but I suspect myself that he will end up with England following the World Cup, or within the next year after the World Cup, with Mr. Warren Gatman. <laughs> you so. could end up in Auckland with him. He won't end up in Auckland. He will not end up in Auckland because of family reasons. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I don't uh, think Sean Edwards would follow Gatland. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I wouldn't be tossed by seeing both with England or Edwards, certainly in the England uh, setup after the World Cup, because I suspect that win or lose the World Cup, they will be uh, uh, ditching Eddie Jones, who, is, who himself is saying, you know, he's got an uncertain future and is talking about coaching and wanting to coach Australia again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we'll leave Eddie Jones for another week because he's, he's always in the headlines. He'll, he'll still be here next week to talk about. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Right, that's all for the Welsh Rugby Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, give it a like, give it a subscribe on all the platforms. And for all the latest uh, news in Welsh Rugby, you can catch it all on Wales Online. <laughs>